Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Brona Gallagher, an actor who broke out in Alan Parker's The Commitments and Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, and really hasn't stopped working ever since, appearing in dozens of films and TV projects over the past three decades. She's in Last Chance Harvey and Albert Knobs, she's in The Field of Blood and Belgravia, she's in You, Me, and the Apocalypse, and The Personal History of David Copperfield, which screened at TIFF in 2019, along with Shelley Love's A Bump Along the Way, which stars Brona as Pamela chaotic single mom who finds herself pregnant in her 40s, much to the horror of her teenage daughter, played by Lola Pettigrew. Delayed by the pandemic, but finally released here in the spring of 2021, which is when we recorded this episode, it's one of those oddball little delights built on a clever script and a couple of great performances. You should check it out. Rana picked Kusama Infinity, Heather Lenz's 2018 documentary about the life and work of the artist Yayoi Kusama, an avant-garde painter and sculptor who made a considerable impact in New York in the 60s, went home to Japan in the 70s for her health, and eventually reclaimed her standing as a pop art visionary. She's now regarded as a cultural influence on the scale of Andy Warhol. Watch this documentary, and you'll be amazed it took everyone so long to figure that out. This is someone else's movie. Well, I just felt it was so empowering to finally see an artist captured in such a brilliant documentary, retrospective sort of documentary, really, about Mm. her life, to see someone that had, you know, utterly lived the life of an artist. And, you know, we all love, I'm sure, our artists. And we know that a lot of the time, mental health can be synonymous with it and struggle and poverty. But I just feel... She was such an extraordinary person and her gift was there from such a tiny child and the gift was so enormous and so potent in you know, the molecular structure that she was that it transcended all boundaries, all hardship. It's transcended all trauma and the, the the gift, whatever she was, if she was a conduit of or a, to me, she just felt like a star particle of some sort, that she was just connected to what was out there. Regardless of what trauma, this gift and this light and this energy just kept coming and kept coming. And I just feel she overcame all of the grief and the abuse and trauma that she had as a child. She never once went down the road of victim. Mm. I just think the the isolation that she must have felt in her life, the rejection, the struggle, all the poverty. All she, I just thought her inner strength that almost, you know, she almost took her own life out of frustration. I just thought it was one of the most admirable journeys of life and survival and, you know, courage that I'd ever seen. And I just thought anybody that's ever, you know, oh, I didn't get this and he messed me around or she, I took this deal or that deal or they signed this deal. I just thought there is a life loved. And she went back to, you know, her little village in Japan and she said, yeah, I finally brought back the crown. And, you know, and now they, they bring the children to her, to her exhibitions and they inspire children all over the world. And I just thought, you know, she didn't take her own life, although she did jump out of a window. <laughs> she just kept going. And I just thought 
you know, if ever you're feeling sorry for yourself, if ever you're feeling, you know, lives in a psychiatric hospital, I just, I just thought it was just the most, you know, humbling film I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the challenge with making a documentary about an artist is that you have to get the art in there as well. But the yeah. life is so much more important and where it comes from and how it's created. And the mm. thing that um, dazzles me about Kusama is that mm. she, as as you say, she can only be herself. Like there is no, there's yep. no pretense. And watching her not adapt to the times and just yep. drive them instead over the course of her life, the way that the documentary organizes it, that was something I had, I just, I wasn't prepared for when I watched it because her stuff, if you look at it, it's all polka dots and you could collapse it into a single line right this is when she did the big paintings this is when she did the sculptures this is when she came back to the, the rooms. but then to see what was going on in her life and you factor mm -hmm. in you know like the naked happenings in new york and the protests yeah, against I mean, unbelievable revolutionary revolutionary an art revolutionary and you know one of the most prolific artists there has to be mm -hmm. you know i mean i know picasso has forever and ever the you know the amount of sculpture and drawings, everything. I mean, all of the great, you know, iconic artists. But I mean, you know, for her to not just be involved in all of the anti-war stuff, pre all what we know, Yoko and John, yeah. God of Mercy, you know, and all the New York movement, she was celebrating, you know, the uniqueness of the human body and why you should be put such fodder out there, obviously, for Vietnam and what was going on at the time. You know, and it really is a deeply spiritual you know, wisdom that she had. Why should we murder this beautiful? This is all we have, you know. And that to me was just, you know, such a badass. You know, she just <laughs> trailblazed. She trailblazed through everybody. And I mean, you know, so much, you know, uh, theft on her, on her originality, you know, yeah. and plagiarism from all the greats that are, you know, known as obviously, you know, Andy Warhol and all the great New York artists. But, you know, she was a way ahead of the posse. You know, and obviously, if she maybe, you know, had been more stable as a person, maybe she would have had, I mean, she did it her way. So this is not a criticism, you know, maybe she would have been able to enjoy her success a lot earlier. But, you know, she didn't play the game. She just kept going because the most important thing, and that is the most important thing for any artist, is the work. Yeah. And the work is so, it's it's powerful. It's distinctive. And it's mm. so complex um, yeah. that yeah. the film almost can't do justice to it. The the yeah. mirrored rooms yeah. and the yeah. um, the sense of engagement with the artist, the way that she guides you while you're looking at her own yeah. work. I mean, they actually discussed this at length. Well, part of the work, she it was like a moving human sculpture in it. You know, she was creating, for me, looking at it, she was creating heaven on earth. She was trying to you know, more than any other artist, and I don't have a great knowledge of all art, she's, you know, or, or that movement at time in New York, but, you know, she certainly was, you know, from a place of, of the great classics, she, she understood spirituality mm. very deeply. You know, she had an understanding of, of what, you know, the gods were being painted at the time, the Michelangelo's, you know, all the great artists, you know, the Italian movement, she, she knew what it was to paint heaven on earth. And she did it in such a unique style. I mean, she just was, you know, I don't know of any other artist that just created such a, you know, unique streak of, of 
of her own artery of art, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's the impressionist is the only other thing I can think of uh, where you, where you uh, can see the before and after where there was a movement that uh, actually changed the direction of art. Yeah. 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 And I think her, you know, the gravitas of the work that she's done, we're only getting to really bring it into mainstream, you know, conversations now about art. Have you seen her? People say, oh, I know her. I know her. You know, so I think she's actually the wave of her talent that kept coming forward and kept going forward. I just think now she's just going to change stuff on a massive level. Because, I mean, the Tate Modern are going to have a massive respect from now till next March. You know, you're taking over the entire, you know, the entire massive gallery it's oh. enormous you know so and then my other friends in berlin because i was texting friends last night saying have you seen this documentary another wonderful artist friend of mine nina Hines, and she was like no but i used to go to the wherever other gallery it was you know and she's just sit in the room and just absorb it no but i mean you know profound profound yeah. have you had the chance to see her stuff in in person I've, I've never had the pleasure i never have no but mom and i are going to go um when the when the gates of the world we're going to go to the tape we love the in London I because my mom's a an artist she makes well with cloth she makes patchwork quilts and all sorts of creative things so she's obsessed with her my <laughs> mom's like it. she's her biggest fan I had no idea uh, my my <laughs> wife is a knitwear designer and author and uh, she was just lit up when she saw the uh the designs oh it's wonderful it's polka wonderful. dots and stripes it's her thing yeah. um yeah. and there there is so um yeah I guess in that case the, the next logical question is when did you see the when did you first see the documentary? It's a fairly recent film, but you've clearly been aware of her before this. I went when it came out, and then whenever my mom came down to visit me, uh, we watched it down here again because I have I think you've got a projector there. Um, I've got a projector as well, so I can watch it on my back wall of my <laughs> living room here. So we watched it again, and I was thinking about the film, and I didn't know. And then I said to my mom, um, "What would you like to do?" And she goes, "Oh, can we watch the movie?" And I was like, yeah, then that's the movie I'm going to choose. So that's um, and I just thought, well, no better one than this. So because uh, obviously there's all the classics. I mean, I love, you know, so many movies and there's so many great movies in the last few years. And there's all the great, you know, Scorsese and the Coppola's. And I love war movies and, you know, I love Irish films and mm-hmm. old Hollywood movies. So I've been watching a fair amount of old um, 50s American movies and Betty Davis and you know Sunset Boulevard and all that so uh but that but I just thought that might be a breath of fresh air and obviously in this conversation hopefully people will will go and look at it you know yeah it's um it's one of those things we actually had a a Kasama show in Toronto at the art gallery I want to say right, great. three years ago maybe right around the same time the documentary came out and I all couldn't right. get to it my my editor went and loved it and I did not get the chance and it just Kills me that I missed the chance to see it in person. Uh, I, uh, I'm hoping to get back to London soon, but you just, uh, you who knows when. Come to the Tate, die. Come to the Tate and see it, die. Yeah. Oh, I will. Uh, if, I, if I have any chance at all to get there. Um, uh, it's just been, it's also so, it's so jarring to watch some films in lockdown that show you places that you know intimately, like New uh, York, that... Uh, you're you're you haven't I haven't been to New York in a year and a half and I I I love the um the sense of just wandering around MoMA and seeing and stumbling into things actually I must have seen her chair there I'm sure I have but um but the sense of of 
it, now, I guess, it doubly feels like something out of another time. Watching watching footage of, of her arriving yeah. in 1958 in Manhattan and, and going to galleries and, and having happenings, that, that world is doubly gone, right? Because the New York that we're going to come back to after lockdown ends is going to be different again. But we're dealing with someone who was so far ahead of her time that only now we're starting to catch up to it. So it's like yeah. New York is now is ready for her again. Yeah, I just think it's going to be another, yeah, another chapter. I think, I mean, in the last, I mean, I suppose my first experiences in New York were like the early 90s, so it was still pretty grungy rock and roll. Mm -hmm. You know, it's extremely manicured and, you know, very, very, you know, gentrified and a lot of that old CBGB's world that we loved is just gone, you know. Um, And the artists, you know, friends living in massive lofts in Chelsea, you know, that's all gone. Um, And the rock and roll world, and I had a great great friends at Ranch Chenet Cafe, you know, and Jeff Buckley, God of Mercy, was a great friend of ours. And, you know, so we were all part of that whole scene, but it's very different now and it's obviously so expensive. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just think it'll definitely, after something like this, you know, trauma that everybody's been through in the last, you know, 14, 15 months, there hopefully will be another, you know, surge of, of art and, you know, people will, will need that expression, they'll need that outlet now. So hopefully we'll, We'll see some interesting, you know, scenes pop up in New York that aren't just about the very rich. Um, and I just think, you know, she was just, she was a huge part of that movement. But obviously being, I think, obviously she was ambitious, you know, and the other people that are interviewed obviously say that with great, you know, with great fondness towards her as well, because she had to, because she, you know, she obviously knew, you know, she was, she needed a sponsor and she was poor. But, you know, it shows you in those days, that's kind of the way it worked as well. You know, you need to find rich people response yeah. to your art um and that you know the curators of those wonderful galleries at that time you know they, they supported that you know nowadays i think it's much more about the massive agents and the massive money exchange and you know um but it was a really uh a really beautiful synopsis of new york at that time yeah yeah and the freedom and just the craziness and the innocence and the utter bacchanalia of it all you know so uh it's great yeah, I didn't realize. Hedonism. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I didn't realize she'd spent a decade and a half there. And it was the decade where, the decade and a half where everything actually went completely wild because they were coming out right. of the, the post-war 50s sort of gray flannel suits to suddenly running around naked in Central Park and in front of uh, <laughs> Halls of Justice to make their points. Right. And, and then to also be part of the pop art explosion. And, yeah. and to, yeah, as you say, to be taken advantage of and to have her stuff just replicated by people who yeah. were, because yeah. they were white and male, obviously in a better position to sell their stuff. The There's that moment where, I think it's a photograph of the Guggenheim where she shows up in a kimono at an art opening and it's, the first time, according to the film, that she used her her otherness, her her perceived exoticness, her her ethnicity as a way to get noticed, rather than just showing up uh, as one of the artists to to make herself an exhibit to stand out. Oh, she was so clever. She just knew, you know. She just, I think it's going to take me a long time to sort of be able to articulate it properly, but I just think she she just knew about energy and the distribution of energy. And she was very much tapped into something that I don't think many people are. 
you know, and she knew what to attract. She knew what to put out there, you know, what buttons to press and what energies he put out in order to attract the right thing. You know, she just operated from a different way. You know, she didn't see life the way I think, you know, what we to our term as normal people do, you know, mm-hmm. and be that her upbringing or traumatic experience as a child. But she knew what she needed at that time. I mean, she was she was a piece of art, you know, she was she was yeah. that, you know, so um and she obviously, you know, huge love and pride for her, for her incredible culture, you know, as well. And the incredible culture of design. I mean, if you've spent any time in Japan, have you been to Japan? No, I've never been able to go. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, the design is everything. And about, you know, even just how you sit on and eat, even just how you actually sleep on a bed, you know, it's all about the design and the aesthetic and, you know, the materials that are used, you know, and, it's just all about design. It's extraordinary, you know. Oh, and the, yeah. when you when you see those outfits and you just the children, even how they were dressed, and the wee catas and stuff. I worked there twice, and honest to God, it was just one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. You know, really incredible. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. No, she's wonderful. I'm just so glad she's still alive to see and feel it, Norm, and feel the love finally. You know, and I think that's all people can ask for as an artist. You know, because it's so heartbreaking when when people die young or they don't get the chance to, you know, see really how much they're loved and that that can hopefully um, heal them in some way, you know? Yeah. I wondered about that too. The film doesn't really get into the public reception. It just, it shows people in line at the very end, this, this surge because her stuff is like, it's geared to influencers. It's the perfect background for people who just want to share images of themselves. But there's a genuine fascination with the work. It's not just that they're standing next to it. They're in it. They're part of it. Yeah. yeah. And so the film ends with these shots of, you know, five hour lines outside of little galleries yeah. where her stuff is showing and people who are all you know, 25 and younger, because they're the only ones who can stand outside in the cold, uh, just excited for her work and this this new surge the money is great i'm sure the uh what is it one po um one painting sold for 75 dollars is now sold for seven hundred fifty thousand. right but it's the value of the art not the yeah. monetary thing like people finally acknowledge that or not oh, people I... but the world is acknowledging this this stuff that she's the greatest female artist of the 20th century yeah if you just go on on money but it's i don't think it's about money i think you can actually oh no it's not about money no it's about i think it's about you know i love the image that she has of the net and just throwing the net she just kept doing it wider and wider and almost as up until she touched everybody you know you know it was just that strength i mean where where does that come from other than a spiritual place you know yeah i wonder too need you know and people need that art people need in times of any trouble or anything that's why people flock to theaters and concerts and galleries when times are tough you know we need it we need to know that somebody else has that other way of seeing things that'll bring us out of the darkness you know and I think that's what she was doing it's just incredible you know and the bottom line I think is it's such uplifting work it's so happy (laughs) yeah no you can't help but smile when you see it there's nothing even the even the soft sculptures, which are they can be off-putting, I think, depending on how uh, on where the camera is, because uh, the shapes look alive and creepy and phallic sometimes yeah. in a way that is discomforting in a way that her other work just isn't. But uh, 
but pulled back. And if you see them on a surface, if you see the chair, that's just this big, weird puffball, it's just charming. Um, And I don't mean that to belittle the work. I don't think that because something is pleasant to look at, it's necessarily less than, you know, Francis Bacon's suffering. Um, But there's that moment where she's compared in the film to Pollock, uh, to Jackson Pollock. um, And they're both working in such, they're working on the similar uh, wavelength, but their work is so completely different. Pollock's is violent and scattered and thrashed. And hers is so orderly and calming in a way that I think I respond to her better. It's certainly more, you know, like soothing. Uh, It's soothing and it's very feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's also, I think, I think there's something salvaged from her childhood that was so pure. I think whatever develop, you know, developmental issues that she had, and obviously I don't know the woman at all, but you know, the traumas that she had as a child, there was a part of her that I feel she almost stayed protected in a little bubble um, from the traumas. Cause they obviously don't go into the details and rightly so in the field, the, 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 the flower field, the poppy field, she had, there was a trauma. So you just kind of think, well, what happened to the child? Yeah, you know, very circumspect always, about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you just know that whatever, safe place that she went to as a child you know if her mother was so destructive and violent and obviously you know destroyed her beautiful paintings as a child she managed to hang on to that little place so that's why I think there's an element of child to all of them and her fascination as a child was so much stronger than her capability to self-destruct you know her love and her fascination of nature and symmetry and natural symmetry and the natural universal um, rhythm of the universe, you know, the fact that she was able to tap into that and was connected in that way as a special conduit gifted person, you know, um, kind of otherworldly without sounding, you know, you know, silly or, or naive saying that, but certainly from, from, you know, from a different, more evolved way of seeing things and absorbing and then reiterating uh, and recreating in a unique format. Yeah. I, and I was finding myself wondering too, if the, if the biases of the, of the art critics at the time helped her in a weird way, just because she knew what she wanted to do so clearly that she didn't change tactics because of like in response to any of their uh, rejections, she just kept doing her thing and doubled down and tripled down and refined herself in a way towards the thing she wanted to do. Because I think, you know, the primal denial that she was experienced as a child from her mom, you know, if your parents are supportive and you give your children confidence, that's such a gift. You know, that's all people want. Mm. You know, that they didn't destroy their child's confidence, that they weren't abusive to the point of destruction and addiction issues and stuff like that. So I think the fact that that she was able to um, move from that, I'm not saying get over it, because how do you get over that? But she was able to still move from a place of trauma and still create. So that shows you again the force of her talent, you know, the, the, the pressure she must have been under as a person to create. And that, you know, the extraordinary thing that she never, she never did sketches or, you know, dress for hairs to piece. She just came out with it, boom. Yeah. You know, it was coming through this live line, you know, under your, you know, she never ever did drafts. She never, you know, did blueprints or um 
you know, tulls, whatever the name is, you know, um, you know, the sketches beforehand. It was just, it was an utter outlet of what was ever, whatever was coming in was coming out. Yeah, it is remarkable to watch her just in that first two minutes sitting at a table and start to do the things she does, right? And it just, by the end of the film, it's covered. Yeah. She's created her entire world around her. Yeah, yeah. Just extraordinary, whatever, you know, just a light being, you know, a star, star. That's what I was just watching it. I was going, she's like a star particle. She's just (laughs) collecting all this stuff, just bringing it out. You know, she's a profound person. I'm so glad that she's got to see this, uh, the success. She must yeah. have knew all along, you know. Well, I was going to say, I think mean, she kept everything, right? There's all this, there are yeah. all these pieces of her history that show up in the film that have uh, clearly been preserved. Um, and and the films that she made, I mean, she was a multimedia artist before that was oh, a I, thing. Big time, big time, big time, big time. Yeah. She was, she was extraordinary. I mean, she was what any of those artists at that time wanted to do. She did it solo. Yeah. Yeah. She was she was the movement. She was. And because she wasn't um a conventional artist, I, I think that made people underestimate her in a way that let her become stronger. Right? Like she, you can you could sort of you can see the tension in the coverage of the 60s happenings about how people remember them as purer and and more loving and then you see footage of the police daring her to do something so that they can arrest her and and just all these weird tensions that have melted away in history like people just don't think of that stuff as being as brutal and violent and and potentially dangerous as it was but she went right in I mean she also showed up at the the Biennale in Venice just to be an artist rather than to be invited it was extraordinary lying in the golden lying in the field with her silver Balls, give them the sell them for two dollars. Just genius, you know, because she yeah. knew how pretentious it all was as well. She's like, why can't I sell my art? You know, it's just genius, you know. She's just such a such a punk rocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, she was punk twenty years too soon. Oh, punk twenty years way before then. Just like get out of town, you know. Yeah. What uh, a woman, you know. What a woman. Just so funny. All the quirky relationships and all the funny people that she met. Amazing. I mean, what a strength, what a character. Yeah. It's great that there are, uh, that there is so much footage, that there are so many. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? That there's so much of that time. I, and I love when the scene, was it the Guggenheim or the Ballack Gallery with the lady who came in, who was the potential curator for something and her mother and then, so we should leave now because people are going to get naked. Oh yes. That was a theater, right? On 52nd. Theater, I can't leave now. We can't leave now because people are going to get undressed. And she was like, oh, no, we must have got my mother. And the mother was like, no, let's stay. <laughs> <laughs> she connected with people. Yeah. yeah. Unexpected people. Yeah, yeah. Big time, I. Yeah. Time. I'd love to be able to yeah. see those films. I wonder if they're going to be part of the tape package. They probably aren't. They never are. I'll check it out. I must see. I'm sure you can go online and see the sort of content of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, she's just amazing. My God, I can't wait to go, actually. No, I will definitely go and see it now. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Well, with yeah. any luck, I will bump into you there. But, I, I, uh, okay. but bef- before we go, before we run out of time, um, I did want to ask, it, the, the, the podcast always ends with this question, which is kind of awkward with documentaries, which is, is there anything of this film that you have used or in your own work or anything that you've allowed to influence you? And is there, is there a Kusama principle that you 
use in your own life or in your own performance? Fearless. Fearless. Yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to just take us, take us a dot off her universe. I'm going to steal a tiny little dot and just have it as my dot of fearlessness because <laughs> that's what she was. So I'm going to take, I'm just going to touch one of them. I'm not going to take it. It's not mine to take. I'm just going to touch a dot of her fearlessness and just be fearless because we only have one life and it's precious, you know, and it ain't a dress rehearsal, clearly. So uh, I'm just going to be fearless from now on. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Isn't that what yeah. they say? I think so, yeah. yeah. And certainly after a year and a half of this, we're going to have a lot oh, of energy. What? Oh, oh, I know. But I mean, you know, I've actually enjoyed it in a lot of ways. And, I've, you know, I've had tough moments as well, but I've actually embraced it sort of. And, you know, I've been, cur- I've been creative and I've been productive so that's been good so but uh clearly um we are looking forward to getting out and about again my thanks to Bronna gallagher who you can see right now in a bump along the way streaming free on hoopla and available on demand pretty much everywhere you should also check out the personal history of david copperfield it's really good thanks also to ali lamare shedden she knows what she did you can find Bronna on twitter at bronagal B-R-O-N-A-G-H-G-A-L-L. And you can find Kusama Infinity on DVD from Magnolia Home Entertainment. It's also streaming on Canopy and available on VOD platforms all over. If you're in Ontario, you can even watch it at the TVO website, tvo.org slash documentaries. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com, where I host the Now What podcast every Friday, in addition to writing far too many words about movies and television. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast. S-E-M-Cast, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. And Happy New Year. I'll see you next time.